Hello, I'm Rabbi Iggy, and welcome to Tattoos and Torah. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Tattoos and Torah. I'm Rabbi Iggy from the Chuba Center. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we have a very, very special guest today uh, uh, who's calling in from Venice at the moment. Uh, we're having uh, Marcus Raymond uh, with us, uh, who is not just a dear, dear friend, but is also the director of TBA 21 Academy, uh, an initiative that he co-founded in 2011, uh, which fosters interdisciplinary dialogue and exchange surrounding the most urgent ecological, social, and economic issues facing our oceans uh, today through the arts. Um, Marcus leads the organization's engagement with artists, activists, scientists, uh, indigenous communities, uh, and policymakers worldwide, resulting in the creation of new commissions uh, and new bodies of knowledge advancing the conservation and protection of our oceans. In March, uh, last March, uh, March 2019, TBA 21 Academy launched its physical venue, Ocean Space, which is a globally uh, embassy for art, ocean literacy, research and advocacy located in the Risotto Church of San Lorenzo in Venice, Italy. Uh, Ocean Space will be programmed by the in, in, <coughs> sorry by the Itinerant Academy and its network of parents, including uh, universities, NGOs, museums, government agencies, and research institutes from around the world. Um, Marcus is uh, a man of many, many, many talents. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm honored to have him here. So thank you and welcome. Thank you very much. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's an absolute honor and pleasure to be on your podcast and be um, able to spend this time with you now. I'm really absolutely. looking forward to this. Me too. And it's funny because um, you said um, the, the academy's parents, universities, I think uh, I think you meant partners, but parents is actually Ooh, really parents. really nice. Don't worry, it's really nice. It's uh, it's immediately speaking. You know, there there was this. Um, it, it's speaking for the multiple multiples, which is which is really great. So it's the uh, I should take over. I should take this on. Uh, it's I, I, the multiple I mean, parents. <laughs> Absolutely right. It takes yeah. it takes a village, right? It takes a village to raise a child. It does. It does. Yeah, uh, yeah. I see what I want. I see what I want to see. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's my dyslexia coming in. Um, so uh, the you know I, I was just saying before that the one thing that sort of always comes up to me when people sort of talk about the ocean, which which of course I love, um, is uh, I was saying that uh, in in uh, in Jewish tradition in uh, in both mystical uh, and uh, and sort of the way I read sort of the Bible is that when you open the Bible, right, um, mm. the water is already there. The ocean is already there. God separates the water from water above, water below, um, but it's already there. He doesn't create it. Mm -hmm. And I've always seen the water as the counterpart or the source of life even for what we perceive as God or, or, you know, or God of our own understanding, whatever we choose mm. sort of the higher sovereign power is to be in our life. Right. And, and water of course represents life. Um, and water is in our tradition represents the, 
anti-fake. The yeah. water is authentic. Water is pure. Water is clean. Uh, hopefully, but yeah, <laughs> we'll talk about that. But water is water represents um, things that we can see um, through. And and just to borrow from popular culture, right? So like uh, when when the Wicked Witch of the West and Wizard of Oz, <laughs> right? So like is needs to be defeated is through water, right? If you mm-hmm. if you want to go to Harry Potter, right? Mm. Um, then right when when the magic has to be dispelled. It's through water, mm-hmm. um, and I think that idea of water be the anti-magic, water be authentic, sort of really starts mm. from a very, very, very early, early yes. on stages in um, in philosophy, theology, uh, and sort of like culture. Yeah, yeah. I I think I mean this is um, this is a this is a big entry, right? Um, but right. Uh, but I think. Uh, I think it is exactly that. Somehow there's this, there's this. Um, I guess any any culture that touches upon water, which I guess is is most of them, right? Uh, bodies of water, rivers, lakes, um, seas, and oceans. Um, there is there is a reference tool, right? Somehow it's undeniable in 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 the creation of myths, in the creation of narratives, in the creation of belief systems, uh, probably because it is for us as beings, it's completely alien, right? And without without any um, uh, technical apparatuses or really a life, life and generation long exposure to the pressures um, of this uh, foreign um, habitat. Um, and our bodies adapting to it, right? There's uh, there's these sea nomad tribes um, that are avid uh, underwater hunters, and their spleens have adapted uh, over generations in a way that their their bloodstream is more oxygenated, so that they can actually stay underwater yeah. longer than um, than your average New Yorker or or even a habitant of Venice, right? Although uh, both you and me are on small islands currently. Um, our our <laughs> our f- physiology is different than that. So anyway, um, what I'm saying is that uh, that I guess through its through its alien nature, uh, any body of water becomes the source of of a kind of mystical, mythical, um, uh, definitely narrative generating uh, entity. Right, and I think, like right. you said, it's like it's been from the beginning, and and um, literally when you think about how vast the the ocean is, although we've come a long way with kind of uh, ocean exploration in in, in uh, with all of its kind of difficulties of the terms, um, but but and the the difficulties of of the histories that come with a uh, with the term exploration, right? The, um, we we've we haven't come that far in knowing right. the ocean. And I think this is really, this is um, in all of the stories that you, and, and myths that you describe, um, it is, I think, pretty certain to say that the unknowability of the ocean is what makes us human. Right, I agree. And also, right, the, the, the it's the only immersive, uh, Material, the only immersive mm. uh, uh, space that I know that is uh, natural, 
that is right sort of yes you can sort of like surround yourself with sand or whatever mm. but like walking into the ocean is the only human experience that is fully 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 immersive without mm. need any change right um well if we if we um if we forgot about forget about the atmosphere right and right, air right. then then uh, then yes you're absolutely right the ocean is the only yeah. one you could say yes snow snow uh, anything uh, torrential rains you know any, anything like that but uh, any 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 body of water even if it's a bathtub right is that uh, is that what you right. describe i mean snow air is water too <laughs> exactly in, i mean in, it's in no, snow rain yeah. right yeah. snow rain is water too yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, right yeah. um and, and and yeah and, and I, yes the, but it's funny because right i think uh you're right it's of the atmosphere because it's transparent mm. right and we breathe it all the time we don't pay as much attention perhaps as we should but we don't pay as much attention mm. to it right so yeah. yeah and it's like if you if you i mean uh, i don't know this is like completely speculative and absolutely non-scripted right but it's like it's returning right it's returning to a body of water as we were right. as we we're all born from water Right? right, so we are actually returning home. Uh, maybe that is maybe that's uh, also something that you know epigenetically we're just uh, uh, if we want to talk epigenetically or or spiritually we're returning right. home, and that's what the body registers on a completely different uh, um, on a different scale, right? right? Then um, being in what is actually our alien environment is is uh, air and atmosphere. Right. Yes. I mean, I think both in terms of Christian baptismal, but also in Jewish, uh, what we call the mikvah, mm. uh, our, our need to cleanse, our need mm-hmm. to return to a source is through mm. the water. And in yeah. fact, we, we in Judaism, it is we believe that uh, that the biggest mikvah, the, big, the, the, the easiest, closest source of rejuvenation of the soul is through the ocean. Hmm. We can build once and there's whole rules of why it is and how much uh, we have. Uh, we have these concepts of uh, of live water and mm-hmm. non-live water, mm-hmm. right? Sort of, and there has to be a certain proportion of live water to non-live water uh, in those spaces. But if you go into the into the ocean, that's that's full on. That's, you don't need anything else. Yeah. Um, huh. how, how did you become interested in 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 water? I guess in hmm. ocean. Um, I it's I mean it's completely. Uh, weird right or not it's not uh, kind of intuitive um counterintuitive because i grew up in central germany right? right to a to a german father and a scottish mother um the the closest uh, bigger body of water was the rhine river mm-hmm. and um yet uh, my grandmother lived on the west coast of scotland um in and so but even before kindergarten i i traveled back and forth with my mother and i think the 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 first real vivid memory is me looking at this completely foreign um landscape which Mm. was um um which was the the sea right which was the sea of West right. Scotland, of of West Kilbride, um, and and you know with with the sounds and the smells and everything that comes with it, 
and something that I've never th seen before. This is kind of my first uh, vivid visual memory. Um, that's the one thing. The other thing is that my my parents took me swimming from uh, from a very 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 young age, right? They for whatever reason they thought that would be a good thing. I guess uh, I guess um, um, they I, I I'm not sure. Anyway, they took me swimming, and that always stayed with me. So until I was twenty, I was I was an avid uh, swimmer. I I went to you know, train uh, 10 times a week and, um, or actually 11 times a week, five times, twice, a, mm -hmm. twice a day, Monday to Friday, and then Saturday. And, um, and uh, so the, the water where many people were kind of afraid of the water, the water was always um, home somehow. It's mm -hmm. a, it's a, it's an element I feel, I feel very, very comfortable in. I feel very at home at. Although I'm I'm completely aware of of um, its might and its power and and uh, and its danger, but somehow um, it's something that I I feel completely at ease with and and very familiar with. So that um, that is um, somehow it's you know it's kind of this biographical thing, and then um, when we started this um, this program this um, this endeavor. The, the academy TBA 21 academy um, this was born out of um, or an already existing foundation right? TBA 21 and TBA 21 was founded in 2002 by Francesca Thyssen-Bornemista who is a, an art collector fourth generation art collector and uh, and she really uh, realized and a remarkable woman <laughs> that mar yes uh, that that on top of it that on top right, of it but, right, but, right, but, right. but you know i think uh, i think uh, the the foundation is an extension of um her remarkable character and her remarkable remarkable curiosity i think that's really mm. it and and her remarkable um bravery to take an extra step and go the extra mile to actually engage with the topics that the that the artists are looking at right and this is this was the environment that I, and the organization that i came into and so um just a just a brief history um the uh, francesca relatively quickly understood that just going around art fairs and galleries and auction houses and collecting objects was not the way that she wanted to engage with the art world and so together with her chief curator, Daniela Zimann, they started a very, very um, complex and ambitious um, commissioning program, right? So they work very intimately, very closely together with artists that uh, approach them with very unusual projects. They usually don't have a space in the commercial uh, realm of, of galleries and probably are somehow too um, complex for either biennales or museums. And so TBA 21 became this, um, this organization that would become the go-to for artists that come up with, you know, uh, their, their desire, their projects for, of desire, right? That they could go nowhere else to. And, mm -hmm. and um, so after 10 years of, of existing, um, we realized that a lot of the work was either politically informed or socio-politically informed, gender-politically informed. Um, but all of them 
we're looking at change somehow, the cause and effect of change. Um, and and um, a growing number of artists were looking at the environment and very and in, in a very engaged uh, and nearly activist way, right? All of these all of these concerns were popping up. The the term Anthropocene started um, circulating through uh, the cultural sphere, and uh, and this was really something that we wanted to look at. And with all of this, um, we thought. Okay, how do we how do we break uh, kind of the format of production or the cycle of production? How do we break um, this uh, this uh, rhythm that we found ourselves in uh, between commissioning, producing, and exhibiting? And and um, and what is what would would be something that we wanted to look at as a kind of artistic research, long term artistic research project? And so as we were so. Um, concerned and, and interested in change, right? Um, we we said, okay, why don't we why don't we look at something that is constantly changing, that is constantly in flux, that is constantly moving, but is so intricately interconnected um, that you can actually trace the cause and effects of change, but you have to really look at nearly like geological timescales right uh, that's the one thing so you had to you had to completely embrace a different time scale and you had to think from fluidity right so you had to mm. uh, and that was really then the exercise can we think from change can we think from and with this system which is the ocean and that was kind of the theoretical and abstract um, concept over it and uh, then we were able for 10 years and and uh, now we're we're abandoning ships so to say but for 10 years we were able to um use a research vessel uh, which is called the dardanella um mm-hmm. and uh, we were able to invite artists and scientists and environmentalists indigenous leadership um legal experts uh, on uh, to come together on on this boat uh, within teams of maximum uh, eight sometimes ten people um, and and really investigate these uh, the effects of climate change on the ocean but also the the species that inhabits uh, inhabit the waters and its shores um, in a in a you know very like you said in a very immersive way and from this uh, from this extraordinary experience of being at sea being moved by the sea um being outside of your comfort zone and outside of your own control right when you live on the sea you the sea literally moves you uh, mm-hmm. and you can you can you know um you can react to it whichever way you want violently seasick or or complete at ease but it will move you and it, it, you will not keep it from moving you and from this super strong immersive experience um we started working right and and it was for many people it was an extraordinary experience because we're so used to have become so used to living in our spaces uh following our rhythms and and whatever and here you are thrown together with many people that you don't know um you're asked to share closed co- uh, very close quarters um share breakfast lunch and dinner in case you do breakfast if you're doing intermittent <laughs> fasting, just lunch and dinner or uh, breakfast and lunch, whichever whichever way you fast, right? But um, but you spend all of this time together, and there's no way to escape. And which what this means is not only are our bodies moved, 
but also the thoughts continuously move, right? Someone has an idea, someone has a thought, someone right. has a question, and it just circulates through this through this uh, collective body that we've become. And and so it is. Um, it's an it, it was an incredibly bonding experience, and from these collaborations, then a lot of things um, happened. And and so what we realized very quickly um, was that scientists who usually uh, are very uncomfortable saying that uh, they don't know a lot, right? We're saying we know very little about the ocean. Maybe you know somewhere. It, it varies somewhere between five and ten percent uh, is right. said to be scientifically known about the ocean, and so so this gave us really the opportunity to say, okay, can we uh, kind of redefine and expand the idea of research? What is research? Who knows? Who declares knowledge, and who um, decides what is acceptable or non-acceptable? How come that we trust sensors? so much more than we trust stories, generations and generations and generations of stories of people that have spent all of their lives on uh, on and with the ocean. And is there somehow a is there somehow a way of creating a space where the sensor and the narrative can uh, can collide and create something new? And and uh, yeah, that's what we're still what we're still exploring. That, that's, I mean, that's fascinating to me. I mean, a couple of things, uh, I mean, a lot of things come out of all of this, but um, the sort of this, this uh, unwilling to really believe the stories, mm. right? Sort of this, this sort of move towards cynicism, right? Mm-hmm. I was just, I was just talking uh, in, uh, in something this week about, uh, leaving room for magic, right? So sort of that mm-hmm. the, the mm-hmm. known world is one thing, but so like it doesn't mean that there's uh, something beyond it. And and what I sort of like refer to is sort of like higher incomprehension, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. how do I attach to that? Um, yeah. Because I think I don't know why it's so hard for so many of us to to not believe, right? Mm-hmm. To to dismiss, to say. Mm-hmm. Oh, just just prove it to me, or that's just myth, or that's just story, or that's just like you know, uh, uh, right? Mm. Bubamysis, right? Grandmother's tale, grandmother's <laughs> tale. Yeah, right. Um, so so that's one, and the other one, uh, which is which is is sort of I I love how you're describing the sort of being on the boat, because of what I'm thinking about, and I think so many people who are listening sort of uh, struggle with so much, is this surrender. Mm-hmm. Right, to be, yeah. to be constantly affected by something, uh, something else. Uh, what, mm-hmm. what I call uh, being defeated, uh, being confronted and defeated by a higher and truer being. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. that that is the ocean. That is this immersive yeah. experience. Right, and sort of like whether you choose it or not. Right, you'll have, as you said, you'll have a reaction, whether mm-hmm. you're seafaring people or not. <laughs> but like, yeah. right, you, you'll figure it out. And right, uh, uh, when I was younger. I would say you said intermittent fasting for for me was full on fasting for like three yeah. days yeah. <laughs> because yeah, yeah. there was there was no food coming in when I was on a mm. boat. I was going from Athens to Haifa. Mm. Um, so <laughs> um, how does that, how does that affect your, your, I guess, or how, what can you learn? How does that affect your daily life? So you get off the boat, you had this amazing experience, mm. but, but what do we learn personally from that immersive program or what do we learn personally from that sort of 
um, yeah, that's a great story about the mm. mermaid, but but yeah. what's the what's the right thing, right? Well, I think uh, I think I mean the 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 I think the most basic thing to take away is um, that the ocean covers seventy two percent of our planet, and even living in New York, which is an island, or Manhattan, which is an island, right. you forget about it. Right. Yes. We are, and and uh, and this, you know, the and the the ocean is the biggest um, creator of our climate. Right. Mm-hmm. The ocean is the biggest carbon sink. The ocean, um, the ocean makes weather. Right. So immediately, right. what we feel as um, as the changes, what we you know in our in our very short lifetimes detect as changes in in the climate um is made usually made by weather right it's either too hot or too right. cold or or it's it doesn't change all of these kind right. of things which which we are sensitive to this is all massively not solely but massively driven by the ocean and so by exposing yourself for uh, for such a long time to it you walk away and you understand that the ocean in any in in any form um that we want to uh tackle um climate the climate crisis the climate emergency the ocean is our best ally hmm. right and and um and in our kind of normative way and and now i mean the question now i say we right so the question is who is the we that that we're speaking from, and I am uh, clearly, you know, a kind of uh, a white male entitled, um, um, you know, perspective that I'm speaking from here. But I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to kind of make this as as porous as possible, and right. uh, and and understand, um, you know, the the many other perspectives and the many complex. Uh, um, uh, things that this comes with, but when I say we and and us being dependent on on the ocean, then I think we it is safe safe to say that in, in that the ocean touches all of us in one way or the other, uh, in its most violent ways, as uh, experienced in um, not only but uh, but mainly uh, in the Pacific in Oceania, right, with rising sea levels, with uh, with superstorms getting getting more and more um uh, uh regular and more and more violent with uh with you know the bleaching of corals uh, and therefore the shrinking of habitats and all of that mm-hmm. plastic no to speak from but um but this is also this is the same in Miami or in Venice right so so right. the ocean the ocean touches all of our lives and and this is something that really becomes apparent. The other thing that is that is apparent, and here I make the circle back to the normative uh, understanding. Right, you you do understand when you when you go out uh, um, to to very remote places that are usually on the on the front lines of this of the climate crisis, right? That other realities are absolutely possible, and it is it is very you know it is um that in itself is uh, is a challenge right because uh, clearly you can you can uh, you can just exoticize it and leave it somewhere else and say okay this is kind of 
traditional being and ancestral knowledge and this and that and the other, but it is a complete adaptation to living um, very often in harmony with the environment in a way that you live on a very small island. Um, um, if you're on a low-lying atoll on a, in a kind of hostile environment surrounded on a, on a sliver of sand surrounded by a big, big ocean. And, and people have for centuries lived there in sustainable ways, right? So instead of thinking about them as some kind of exotic outliers, um, I, I like to think or try to think of them also as, as kind of uh, laboratories for the future, right? How can you live um, in hostile environments and, and our environments will become more and more hostile, mm. but, but still with, with, um, with the environment, right? Instead of against it. And I think this is one of those things that happens very easily when you uh, when you're in a climatized um, apartment uh, flat uh, wherever you are and you kind of you kind of forget the outside and you forget your connection to to nature and the environment and the ocean and and the trees and the forests and the and the you know insects and and the whole thing that together makes up something that that some call Gaia right and um, and I think that's what we're trying to achieve, right? We're trying to right. we're trying to invite and become sensitive to other realities, to possible future scenarios, um, because artists are specialists in creating these possible future models of the world, um, and and um, and rekindle a relationship to this environment, and um, and inspire something in us that. Let's us act on that, right? Because I think we 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 are at a point in time where a lot of people understand that there is an urgency, um, and yet we don't necessarily feel enticed to act. I think uh, many many environmentalists are currently really frustrated because for 40 years and in the recent years they they've become louder and louder and and more prominent and and more mainstream than ever. And um, you know we changed kind of the the norm from climate change to climate emergency to climate climate crisis climate emergency, and it took a pandemic for most um, governments to actually act as if right. there is an emergency, right? right? So we see what is possible in an emergency if the emergency is taken seriously. Um, now that the pandemic is here, which um, you know gave nature a kind of a breather yes absolutely a beautiful breather mm -hmm. yeah um, so so uh uh i i i love this i love where this is going because i i so the two, the two questions they're related one is then um why is it so hard right to because you said about imagining future right mm. why is it so hard for us to imagine a future where more sustainable more mm. responsible more right so like why are we fighting this right uh, right sort of right i i'm i'm a product of the 70s mm -hmm. right so mm -hmm. so by the time i came along already so like you know the activists from the 60s were already talking about sort of right uh, sort of gaia mother earth whatever mm -hmm. um uh 
but still we're we're you know like in my generation it was a lot about like hairspray and free mm-hmm. on gas right <laughs> and right and the and the ozone uh and mm-hmm. the other day i was talking to my children i said like something about the ozone they're like what's that and i'm like yeah great i'm paying so much money for your education you don't know anything <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but um so that's one but the other one is are you hopeful are you hopeful that sort of that mm. that we uh that we might be going in in a direction that is uh, better than than we than we are here. I'm well, uh, you know. I'm. Um, I know you're a fighter, right? I know you're fighting. Yeah, for yeah. Me, so I know. I, think I know this I, is your cause, but no, no. I think I am. I, I, you know, everything. Everything in me says I shouldn't be hopeful. Right. Um. But but I am. I am. Um. I am intrinsically hopeful. I'm a, I'm a, you know, a naive romantic optimist, and I believe, I believe in in human beings. <laughs> That's very believe, of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It must be, you know, it must be the Scottish. Uh, it must be the Scottish side, which is right. like a complete right. romanticization of, right. you know, right. dramatic defeat, right? <laughs> and then we sing a beautiful, a beautiful sad song, and uh, we down a gallon of whiskey. And right. um, which uh, I don't do, but um, but uh, so maybe maybe that's the maybe that's the um, that's the romantic maybe that's the yeah. Scottish side, yeah. So right. I am I'm very hopeful, and I think you know, uh, like as you said, uh, you know, what are you paying your kids um, education for? Expensive education. I I mean I think this generation that is coming is they they're so they're amazing. I really I really have nothing. Uh, but admiration for you know uh, all of the kids that are out there. Kids, uh, sorry to sound patronizing, but uh, all of uh, these uh, fantastic young people out there today, really challenging um, the the system in ways and numbers that we've never seen before. And it's like um, you know the connections that are made finally being made between social justice and environmental crisis. The demands that are being made uh, on on fundamental changes on on all levels, right? Um, that that is really encouraging. That's really encouraging, and and I I that they give me hope. That's that's great. Mm. And, and and why do you think then the rest of us sort of the old. Uh... The old farts. Why is it so difficult for us? Like even right, uh, what what really bothers me, right? So like yes, right. We, the pandemic gave us this amazing breather, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, there's like fish, or if you believe, right, so like dolphins in Venice, and, mm-hmm. and right, and right, and monkeys, and and uh, right, and sort of reindeer in mm-hmm. in Tokyo, and right, so like, and you can see. <laughs> You can see the Himalayas for the first time from yeah. most parts of India, right? Like it's amazing, right? So the mm-hmm. air quality in Paris, like I think LA one day had the best air quality in the world, which is yeah. unheard of, which is yeah. unheard of, right? Yeah. Um, so you think, right? I was like, okay, here, look mm-hmm. at these things. People be like, oh, this is great. But then as soon as we can, we're like, you know, turning on our turbo 300, mm. whatever car, or, mm. or we're, you know, putting you know puck pucks back in 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 the canals yeah um listen i think we're super conditioned no we're we're conditioned yeah. to consume 
right and and i think the younger generation has the big advantage that they that they have not as many years of conditioning right that's uh, i mean it's a it's a cheap excuse also uh, a lot of uh, a lot of um us uh, love the privileges that um that um we that we kind of inherited right and and i think to i think to change is difficult right it yes. it it doesn't matter i mean you know um uh, you you try to stop smoking right it's freaking difficult you you try yeah. to even even lose weight right it's right. like it's extremely difficult to change your ways to change your habits um and do so so the pandemic made it um uh, you know rather easy we had no choice and the government said you have no choice you stay at home right and and you could see also this kind of um this i would say this communal experience of doing something together enduring something together for the greater cause uh, released such such a dynamic right which was really mm -hmm. something that that was uh, that was um moving right and it was right. it was clearly difficult on many 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 levels and and for for many it was a lot harder um than uh, than for for others but but i think it was the the strange thing was that it was a global phenomenon right and and um but somehow i think i think it's easier we're so conditioned to instant gratification that a a long-term um challenge like uh, like the climate crisis is is really difficult because because it um it demands uh sacrifice from from many uh, many of us and it demands as i said before you know a a systemic change that um that cannot come down to kind of the you know the neoliberal reflex for everything or mechanism for everything it comes down to the consumer right and now you have a consumer choice i think the consumer has huge power but it cannot be the responsibility of a consumer um to hmm. to to stop the fossil fuel industry right because if it's not right. fossil fuel is plastic if it's not plastic then then it's something else right the whole right. infrastructure is geared to continue uh, pumping oil uh, and gas out of the ground and into into our lives and uh, even though we are very powerful as consumers many 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 don't have this power so so um i think it's a i think it's as much a social justice fight as it is an environmental fight and it's it can only be done with large scale unforeseen and and surprising alliances that um that uh, that will demand sacrifices from from uh, from many, and there will be people that will uh, resist this as much as as they can, and and some will do it consciously because it comes with a certain kind of comfort, and others will do it unconsciously because uh, because they don't have the they don't have the luxury of the choice. Right, uh, that that's that's amazing, right? Because I think. Right, so we're talking about smoking and eating, but right mm. for the people that we work with, which is right mm. addiction and trying to mm -hmm. change their life from addiction and find 
find more uh, recovery, right? So like stop, mm-hmm. you know, drugs and, and alcohol, which are sort of really big, right? So that change is is immense, right? Yeah. But so so you are an agent of change, right? So I think for, mm. primarily for me, at least in my eyes, right, mm. you're an agent of change, right? So your medium, right, is is the oceans and art and mm-hmm. and, and all the sort of right, uh, my favorite is uh, the uh, Tidal electics. <laughs> mm-hmm, I love that mm-hmm. name. That's that mm-hmm. makes yeah. that makes perfect sense to me. Um, so, what have you have you learned anything about how to make change, both on an I guess on an individual basis? Mm. Like again, what is you know what have you observed about people who are really trying to make change? Right? What would you advise people who are trying to make a change? Right? Other than the fortitude, but like you know, yeah. I think it's care and practice. You know, I think at the end it comes down to, I think it comes down to, um, to understand that it's a process, that uh, that it's an exercise, it's an exercise every day, and that you can fail, and then you start again, right? I th- but I think it it really it starts with yourself, and then your direct your direct environment. Um, it's it's how um, how you treat yourself and uh, and um, and the people around you, the environment around you, and that somehow I believe that that's where it starts, and then it ripples. And I think we see the ripples, right? We see these movements. Mm-hmm. We we and and um, and we see the system swaying, right? We really we really do. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it's surprising uh, for me. Last year, December, beginning of December, there was COP, right? The Conference of the Parties, this big mm-hmm. global United Nations um, uh, conference, annual conference that uh, decides about um, how nations could agree on on moving forward uh, in the climate emergency, right? And this is what brought us this uh, this fabled Paris Agreement. Um, mm-hmm. That uh, that somehow no one can stick to, but but <laughs> um, but you know there were five hundred thousand people in the streets. The 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 science who always demands for itself kind of a position of neutrality, very clearly says this is the state we're in, and we need there needs to be dramatic action. Um, you know, people were kind of waiting for uh, Greta Thunberg, like you know, people used to used to wait for for pop stars, for rock stars, right? And then there's this then there's this group of of policymakers and decision makers in a in a completely and that happens on the street, right? So people are out in the street in the early December in Madrid, which is which is quite uh, quite pleasant, right? It sounds worse than it is. Um, and then there are people in a completely in a completely um, alien um, climatized convention center, right? Uh, just just a week before or two weeks before was the big car uh, fair there, right? And now all of these policymakers that are supposed to um, take decisions on the environment go there, completely, um, you know. Locked off from uh, from the the uh, everything that's happening of the streets, they're they're locked away. They're locked in in this completely artificial environment, and and somehow, although you have this pressure from five hundred thousand people on the streets, although you have the pressure from 
science saying this is they could not come to an agreement right mm. and i think and i think that's that's uh, what we're seeing right so um we've we've see we see this movement grow over the years and these voices become louder and clearer and at some point it's going to tip at some point there will be there will be leaders that will take bold and and brave brave decisions and they will be able to moderate this to a large um a uh, large percentage of of uh, their constituents and they will carry this uh, this decision and um and we will find we will will find solutions they will be you know they will not be as big and and as bold as we as we would like them to be and as we we see that are that they are possible right we've just seen the whole machine the whole machine of of um consuming of commerce and capitalism stop that mm -hmm. was that was insane yeah. when you look at at the sky you look up at the sky in new york day after day after day after day and there's not a plane flying no that's nothing. insane insane yeah. the the way that the the noise in the cities changed it was, oh, it was unbelievable amazing. right all of a sudden we realize that we have ears right mm -hmm. and these ears they can hear birds and they can hear this and they can hear that and the and we 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 um we were able to connect to our environment in a completely different way and i think there will be a point in the very near future where this just tips right and 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 someone um will step forward some there's a there there will be a politician um that will step forward and the, that will make the first move and then others will not be able to um resist. Uh, to resist yeah i think i think you know it's like you can you can uh, see what's happening uh, on the campaign trail um now in the states right it's it's really it's really interesting to see how diametrically opposed this is right it's like yes, opening yes. up the arctic uh, for for um, new prospecting and and biden becoming more and more uh, environmentally rigorous right? no, no, this, so is, this, like, this is the really... empire and the jedi mm -hmm. i mean this is yeah. really like black and white like you know yeah. this yeah. is uh, i'm reading yeah. my political thing but this is right, mm. sort of the the evil empire versus the resistance yeah for sure yeah, yeah. um you said before, and and I'm interested about so like you, you know you'll have, uh, you have failures, right? You have successes. Mm -hmm. Um, how do you learn from your failures? How do I you see. right? So like like throughout this, I mean, this is mm. like how does one, what does one take away? What what we call failing forward, mm -hmm. but right? How do you take that the the next day or the same whatever? I think you know it's like it's honesty and acceptance no it's like it's like to um to accept that you fail is it's also we're again uh, we're not conditioned um uh, to accept that right uh, this whole um this whole kind of the modernist project right that is progress 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 development the betterment you know self optimization all of this all of this we are we're trained to fail because this kind of this kind of ideal that is um that uh, that we get sold in in advertisement right how mm. many how many people can actually fulfill that and how many people are happy fulfilling that i don't know right uh, so 
So although although we're you know we're conditioned to fail and and the solution is uh, consuming, right? Um, do this, do this, buy that, uh, feel this way. Um, and um, I think I think to accept failure as like you said, fail as the as the possibility to fail forward, to embrace mm -hmm. not achieving, and to then very honestly sitting there and and asking yourself why and then moving forward in the, in full understanding that it can happen again but you know you you understand uh, what you want to do better um i think i think that's uh, that is embracing the process and 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 um living with the possibility that you can fail i think you know i i was trained in the i was trained in the theater and mm. i I always thought theater is, um, you know, is is the is exposing yourself to the possibility to fail in public, right? Right, and and that makes you very creative and very spontaneous and and uh, and hyper reactive, right? Because mm -hmm. uh, this is really it's an environment that you don't necessarily want to fail at, with with thousands of eyes looking at you uh, in that moment. Right. Um, and uh, but but the moment you step on stage, that's a it's a possibility. It's a real possibility. And and so it's um, I think I think embracing failure, embracing failure as something that can be positive right. is, um, is that's the first step. It's really it's really hard and it's really. Um, it's really difficult to to do that because uh, because we're not trained to do so, right? It's right. like um, you you do something wrong, you're punished. You're not. Um, you, right. No one says, "Oh, thank you for making this mistake," right? No one does. Uh, but actually, it would be a fantastic reaction if that was the reaction. Thank you for doing this mistake. Now we can all talk about this and learn from it, and we right. do it differently the next time. Should we plan for a failure? We should have room for failure. Mm. We should have. We should plan. Well, we should anticipate, and and create spaces for, um, you know, for our loved ones, for our families, for our, uh, for our colleagues to fail, right? Mm -hmm. um, all the big, all the big uh, holidays, you know, um, wouldn't be as dramatic if we if we uh, <laughs> would design room for failure into it right, right. um <laughs> we would be we would go there joyfully and not dreadingly to think oh my god no this oh my you know um so so i think i think yeah let's let's create space for failure right it's funny and I... and and a uselessness right? right i think that's the <laughs> that's the that's the beauty of uh working in the art world right the the right. beauty is that so many artists uh, just resist being utilitarian or useful right and right. so that creates a play for uh, a place for playfulness for spontaneity right. for right. for all of these kind of things that are not necessarily immediately effective right w while still showing up right so like right yeah. the chuck close version right amateurs wait for inspiration real artists go to work yeah right? exactly so, like, to know to know that you will fail and do and be useless and and you know hate 90 percent of the work that you do if not 100 yeah, <laughs> that we yeah. Do, right um yeah I, I i i'm thinking what we talk about failure right so like or or, or resistant whatever that 
I one of my favorite quotations is by Bruce Lee. Mm. He says, right, uh, be, be as strong as water. Yeah. Right. Water can resist almost any mm-hmm. pressure, almost any 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 hit and it will gush and it will go and it will storm. Mm-hmm. But eventually it will find its way back to its original mm-hmm. form. Mm-hmm. Right. And mm-hmm. and and I think for, for that, as you talk about failure, I'm thinking about that for 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 people who are listening, but also for, for me sort of thinking like. Right. If I know that I'm gonna maybe storm, but then re- regain my original form, I the failure becomes, uh, like you said, a utility. I have to mm. learn from it. I have to know how. I have to right to learn the resistance, learn the pain, learn everything that yeah. goes on, and much like in recovery, to really anticipate that nothing is smooth sailing. Right, mm-hmm. the ocean could be absolutely beautiful and and glass like and just like mm-hmm. sunny and beautiful, but it could also put like you know hundred foot uh, uh, tsunami waves that will kill you in an instant. Absolutely, and what you're describing is the surface, right? Uh, there, right. there can be all of the turbulences going down to four, five, six, seven kilometers down, right? And right. it changes the the ocean as life is a multiple, right? Even right. though the surface might be uh, glass and pancake flat, right? right? Underneath, it's working and it's moving and it's in turmoil and it's you know it's like it's everything, and I think that's that that's the thing. Uh, we, um, you know, it's like this. That's the beauty of tidalectics, right? The concept of tidalectics versus mm-hmm. versus kind of the 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 Western concept of dialectics, right? Either or. Where tidalectics is right. um, and right, so it comes right. and it goes. It, right. It's the it's the rhythmical, um, cyclical movement of the waves of the tides of the waves crashing onto the beach. It's, it has something to do with sound, with rhythm, with with coming back, and um, uh, and circular, right? And not being not being this or that. It's not mm-hmm. linear, right? And That's I right. think That's I th- right. I think very often we we kind of um, we we clash with this linear idea that the idea of what life should be right the binarism of life we call exactly it, right? so exactly I, like like nothing in life is binary it's always a both yeah. and not an either or yeah yeah and and somehow you know uh, i mean somehow there's a there's a regime right there's a there's a regime narrative that um that uh, the world the the world as we know it is built on right and right. and we currently see this challenge and we see it challenged dramatically and massively and 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 very 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 late but finally it is right from so many from so many ways and in the multiplicity of the challenges you also see and understand the the um the multiple aspects that we all live in in every second of every day Right, it's like, and and they're constantly changing and sh- shifting and moving, and I think to to accept that, um, that's the that life is a process. It's not a it's not a it's not a right. you know it's not a track. It's not a track that you right. get on and you, you know, um, it's a process and and um, and it's it's uh, it's work, right? We need right. to we need to do it somehow. It's not it's right. not being done for us. Right. I mean, the ro- you may be on the road, but the road is very wide. There's a lot of yeah. leeway on the road. Yeah. 
And 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 it's funny, right? Like one of my favorite things of talking to people on this podcast is is how everything really fits together, right? How mm-hmm. how from from oceans and arts and and all mm-hmm. that sort of thinking about and and how non-binary uh, uh, look at this world really saves us from, mm-hmm. from from it all, right? Because when we look at the world as binary, right, as useful to us, not useful to us, as black or mm-hmm. white, as male or female, is mm-hmm. right. Um, uh, Right, as good or bad, right? We we completely negate the very essence of of the world. We negate that everything is a scale, right? Mm. Down to down to human sexuality, right? The Kinsey mm-hmm. scale, but everything is a scale. And then we we relinquish our binary view and are mm. able to be both. And we're able mm. to live with ourselves, right? We're able to yeah. both accept our privilege, but also fight for for the for for the world right yeah um no and... i mean it, this is like the way that i met you right in a right. in a kind of normative world we right. would have never met on a right. on a <laughs> on a sunday morning or a saturday morning in a well known establishment in los angeles um mm. at breakfast uh, i right. i bump into or or uh, randomly uh, find myself um next to a tattooed rabbi Right. In, conver- in 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 deep conversation with a bold hairdresser, um, right. talking about the meaning of life. <laughs> That's right. That's right? right. If you have this in a in a script, people say this is not true. It can't be That's true. Right. This doesn't happen in life. No, That's this right. is life. It That's is right. life, and it's the most beautiful expression of life in that moment that was possible. And and I was very lucky to find myself. Uh, right next to it right and and so i think i think that that is it it's not right. about what is not possible but what is possible right and and right i feel the same i feel the same way but so like right here i am having breakfast right in la uh <laughs> and all of a sudden right i'm introduced to these right two unbelievable artistic individuals who come from like backgrounds that right so like my family would flee away from right a german and an austrian yeah. right that's that's not been good for my people yeah. so like no, my, no. <laughs> so and, and yet here we are so many years later sort of like you know having this conversation mm. and 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 not just being friends but having this conversation about sort of the nature of, of our existence mm-hmm. um so let me ask you um what What's on your mind these days, right? So, like, where, what's, what's, mm. uh, what's fueling your days? What's fueling your imagination? Mm. Care, care okay. as a practice, care mm. as a practice. What, what this means? Because you know, um, it's like, I, I wonder, I wonder, you know, thinking about, um, and and working on is nice, but what is, you know, like you do. Like you do, I think you know. This is like um, I, I, I wonder how I I integrate like working for the ocean, caring for the ocean into my into my day to day life, right? And I I and and in in the one on the one hand, it is you know I'm I'm the chair of a foundation in. in in Jamaica, that uh, that uh, cares about uh, coral restoration, seagrass restoration, turtle protection, um, marine protection, and all of that, alternative livelihood for for fishermen. But that is still quite removed. I think somehow somehow I I want to find a way of of making 
care for the ocean, not just an abstract uh, conceptual kind of framework, but really a, a, um, a daily practice. And uh, so care, I think a lot about care. I try to read a lot about care. Um, and, I, and I think a lot about uh, what it means for um, for cultural practitioners like um, like my team and me um, to to reopen a space uh, after the pandemic and what are the what are the um, what are the things that we want to bring back and what are the things that we don't want to bring back what mm -hmm. are the um, you know and the other the other thing <laughs> the other thing that I'm thinking about is is how do we um work keep on working together as teams i have the i have the feeling that um uh we've been extremely productive uh being separated from each other and and kind of finding this finding this way of working in a distributed uh, uh fashion and not being in a space together and all of that i i i am really i'm absolutely surprised and blown away by how my colleagues have taken to this and and really embraced this this situation, but I I have the feeling we've been so much more productive than I'm thinking about. Is it possible to uh, to give every one of them, and this goes back to care, one day a week um, off so that they can go volunteer their time right. um, and work four days a week, right for for right. Right. for the academy. Well, clearly we we continue um, paying them the way we pay them, but but one of day of the week they should go volunteer. I think that would be, and I think that that would um, be a beginning of making care an exercise, a practice, right? Like yoga is a practice, and it's, right. uh, and I think um, you know if we if we practice care, if we exercise care, it's gonna somehow. I I imagine it to be like a muscle that becomes stronger and stronger and and right. and we and it will be inspirational. Somehow I don't know. I mean I really don't know. I'm I'm toying with these ideas and that's uh, that's a lot what I'm what I'm thinking about. And yeah. and I, uh, yeah. I I'm with you. I think care is a practice. Mm -hmm. I I think that's you know uh, care is a practice, compassion is a practice, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than what rather than a concept. And I think, like like you said, and I think about this as well, mm -hmm. is that with this pandemic uh, and, and the efficiency that everybody has, I think it's because, like we just said, we stopped looking at the binary. We stopped mm -hmm. looking like work and life, right? Mm -hmm. Home mm -hmm. and office. Mm -hmm. And we allowed people to integrate them, right? We allowed yeah. people to to be non-binary, right? So like mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. I, I work from home, I home from work, right? So like I, <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah. and I think that allows us, I guess, to integrate a lot of different things in our life. And, and yeah. I think that, um, and people respond to that. And, and, and as far as sort of volunteering, I've always believed, mm. right, sort of that, that service mm -hmm. is the, one of the key elements of a life of meaning. Yeah. And sort of without service, right? To sort of the, the one thing uh, and I'll ask you the same question in a second. Like, but the one mm -hmm. thing I keep telling people is, if you want to have a better life, find a way to volunteer. That yeah. is for sure, for sure, a useful and mm -hmm. direct something you'll have a direct result from. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So, so this. But so, do you? If if somebody right, not somebody. If, if I'm come to you and say like, mm. if you had like a, an advice or two for people who say like, you know what? Hey, I I didn't think about it, but now. 
you know, this ocean uh, mm-hmm. uh, crisis, the ecological sounds like something I would love to do. Is there something that is small that people could do that that would be effective on, on a very individual basis? But I think, you know, the, 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 the easiest one is really the plastic thing. Right. It's the easiest one, right? Um, um, just, I don't know, I don't know uh, how it is because I, I haven't been, I haven't been uh, to the U.S. in, in a while. But, but even the last time when I was there, right? And even in a place like L.A. that was, you know, that is kind of prides itself being uh, super environmentally conscious and all of that. Right. You go, you, you go to a diner, you order an iced tea. And with your glass of iced tea comes a, a handful of straws, right? Right, and um, and I think you know just to know that all of this, even if we don't see it, sooner or later, some of this will end up in the ocean, is right. um, is uh, is something. So I think the plastic thing, the plastic thing, is the easiest. I think the other one is um, is eating fish. Right. I think what we what we don't consider is um, with, uh, um, you know, with our uh, with this kind of understanding that fish is healthy and uh, and, um, you know, uh, our love for for um, sushi. Right. Right. Uh, and sushi both, both popping up everywhere. Mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, 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 and, and everywhere, right? Um, there's, right. there, we, we fuel with oh. our, with our consumption of fish, which we believe is healthy. Um, we fuel an industrialized extinction event for so many species in the mm. ocean that is just, it's, it's just, um, completely unsustainable. And it is, it's really, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's insane when you right. think the fishing fleets that are out there that with a handful of people in crew um, drag thousands and thousands right. of tons of, uh, of living Fish. beings yeah. out of the water to be consumed, right? Um, I, I think, I think, uh, so plastic and, and the consumption of fish, you can, you can uh, eat fish, right? I'm absolutely right. not saying you shouldn't eat fish. You can eat fish. Don't go as far as, as to say don't eat fish. Uh, we all need to become vegan. I mean, that would be that would be a, a great choice for for uh, for a while. But uh, there is absolutely the possibility to um, to eat only sustainably caught fish or farmed fish. Right. And, and, I was about to and, ask you. So you would recommend if you're going to eat fish, either make sure they're sustainably uh, caught or sustainably farmed. Sustainably, farmed. sustainably yeah. farmed, right? So there's, I yeah. mean, there's also there's um, there there are you know all kinds of all kinds of issues around large scale salmon farming um, all over the place, right? In Canada, in Chile, in in um, in Norway, Scotland, and all all over the place where where salmon has become this super industrialized um, right. uh, kind of, you know, next chicken. Um, right. And, and it's full, it's full of antibiotics and it's, it has a, has a fake color and has very little to do with um, salmon. When we say it's salmon, it's some kind of industrially genetically engineered product. Right. Um, 
but there is the possibility and we and that is the choice that we have as individuals right that that really is the choice that we have to say okay good i i want to eat fish but i'm but i'm eating a sustainably caught or sustainably farmed fish uh, i think these are these are the small consumer choices um that that we can make right it's mm -hmm. like yeah if you have the luxury to to um, right right and, and can uh, can afford it, I think that these are the choices, you know. And then there's all this uh, this thing about new material and recycled, upcycled materials and and all of these things. I think these are then really luxury goods that if you can afford them, go for them. Right, right. I can tell that in New York, for example, it's almost impossible not to find a real straw. <laughs> it's like right, everything has gone to either strawless really? cap. Yeah, uh, I think it was a law a while ago, but strawless caps, bamboo, uh, huh. plastic, different kinds. Sort of like it, the, that's Amazing. the majority. I won't say it 100%, but the majority of the places, uh, this was pre-pandemic. The majority of places yeah. that would go yeah. would have, would have, which is great. And and mm. and I will add, right, so that uh, because of that, my gift of my gift of choice last year mm -hmm. of like birthdays, holidays was uh, plastic. Uh, not plastic. It was uh, glass. <laughs> uh, glass straws with yeah. with a few exceptions that i i give people silver straws yeah. like the really special one got a silver straw uh oh, nice. so for the luxury but uh nice. yeah but I, yeah. you know yeah uh, so, so that's a great that's a great idea for, for everyone no and i think exactly this right we're we're talking about these little gestures these little exercises that is like you know it's so easy to forget your glass or silver or or bamboo straw right but right. but just you know, making it an exercise to picking right. it up in the morning, putting it in your bag, right. you travel with it, you know, and right. this, Awareness. this, this act of then using that straw is an act of care. Right. Absolutely. Awareness. And, and I, mm -hmm. and I believe, right. Like everything else, um, small things make big things happen. Yeah. That is, you know, I think the Western world says, Oh, don't sweat the small stuff. I say the exact opposite. No, mm -hmm. sweat the small stuff. You can't always. Mm -hmm. And and one of my favorite uh, uh, teachings in our tradition is mm -hmm. um, that says you are uh, you are not responsible to solve it all, but you are mm -hmm. not relieved from trying to. Yeah, that is yeah. that sort of That's right. Beautiful. There has to be a balance between. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can say like, oh, I can't save all the oceans. And but it says like, yes, that's true. You can't, but you also are not dismissed from your responsibility to try. Yeah. Um, no, and I think that's exactly that's exactly it. It's like we're so overwhelmed with the immensity of the challenge. Right. Right. What can I do? What can I do? Well, you can you can um, you can do a lot. Right. You right. can do a lot. Right. Here's like, a list of twelve uh, things you can mm -hmm. do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it's uh, yeah, and I think it's really. Uh, we're we're not um we don't have the solution right we have we have we have um a number of solutions right and they are not none of them is perfect we don't have the silver bullet there is no silver bullet but we right. can all all that uh, have the possibility to we can all make um that effort and this effort right. start i and i think you know it's um it's also to be political, right? This is right. also a, a political issue. And right. we're living in societies and these societies are organized through publics. And it is, I think, I think our citizenships, we need to become better citizens. And these right. citizens citizenship means we have a responsibility, and this responsibility is is for the community 
uh, to engage in the community that um, that surrounds us, right? And these right. can be our, our neighborhoods, our cities, our families, our countries, right. whatever. And and um, I think we need to we need to exercise that more more often. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, I think a lot of people are afraid of responsibility. A lot of people don't mm. want it, mm. right? Because because it makes them aware that they are either not doing something or that the misery they have is because of their irresponsibility. Mm. Yeah, and people people don't like to look at the mirror. <laughs> just, yeah, just to be yeah. honest, right? Like, and 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 unfortunately, right here is the thing, right? Uh, the ocean is one big mirror, is it not? Mm. Like that's sort of like that's so funny that you say that, right? Because I was I was thinking so much about why do people or or have people in the past so often looked up the stars and and dreamt about future possibilities and, and all mm-hmm. of that. And the ocean somehow doesn't, has not necessarily inspired the same thing. And then I think it is, or one possibility could be that it is this, that we look back at ourselves, mm-hmm. right? We don't see yeah. the future. We just see the now. We see and, now, we, we see mm-hmm. narcissists, we see mm-hmm. us, we mm-hmm. see our narcissism and we yeah. don't like that. Exactly. Exactly. And, right. and so um, when we look at the stars, there's nothing reflecting back on us, except the light right. that comes from my, uh, thousands and Millions thousands of light years away. And so the ocean is more challenging. Right. The ocean tells you, here you are, look mm. at you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and, and people don't like that. <laughs> people yeah. want to try yeah. to avoid it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. So your exhibition opens on Wednesday, right? Sort of in Thursday in, uh, in on Thursday, Thursday next Thursday. week. Okay, Thursday next, next week, week. Thursday, yeah, uh, yeah. It's a it's an exhibition by uh, by two architects and their team. The architects are called Anzofi Ronskirk and John Palmesino, and together they practice with their team as a territorial agency. Um, huh. They and they over the past three years have um, have collected, curated and analyzed masses and masses amounts of ocean data, right? So, and mm. they, they went from satellites to Argo floats to, uh, to all kinds of sensors and all of this. And what we've realized was that, you know, the ocean, and that's why they call it oceans, right? So the, 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 I think the general agreement currently and, and uh, in, the, in the ocean world is to call it one ocean, right? It's one global ocean, and there's all kinds of um, visualizations that show that it's one global system, right? And, and right. they do not, uh, ter- so territorial agency doesn't uh, necessarily contest that. But what they've what they've realized is that the that the ocean is super fractal. To, to com- uh, depending on who they speak to, where you look from, and who is looking at it, right? So um data is not compatible it doesn't talk to each other it's not meant to talk to each other hmm. uh, and all of these kind of things so they've uh, they've collected and curated all of this data and then they've then they've rendered it legible next to each other and uh, they've created seven trajectories north sea to red sea equatorial pacific um the the mid atlantic and so on. So there's always there's like long geographic stretches in in lines drawn across uh, the globe, 
and they analyze the data within that and they visualize that. So it's a it's um, it's a 30 channel video installation with seven wow. trajectory tra trajectories moving through that. They look at everything from sea level rise to ocean acidification, the, the bleaching of coral reefs, fishing data, historical data like uh, the Black Atlantic slave trade, and and things like that. And um, and uh, this is then activated through a um, a host of public programming. There's a kind of an open university format called Ocean University. There's uh, there's guided walks through Venice, guided by specialists that relate to the topics that we see on the screens. There is uh, there's film screenings and so on, and all of it starts next uh, next Thursday, and that it runs in case anybody is uh, coming through uh, Venice. It runs until the 29th of November. Oh, cool. Yes, we have some mm -hmm. listeners in Italy, so you know. Yeah, um, please. So come. Sure. Yeah. Uh that's very cool. That's very cool. Yeah. I I I love that because I think right like I said before and I often use this metaphor that H2O, right? So like if mm -hmm. you are in if you are in the Arctic, you can mm -hmm. step on it, you can build mm -hmm. with it, you know? Uh, if mm -hmm. you're in the Sahara, it, you think that it doesn't exist at all, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. If you're in LA, you can bathe in it, right? You can wash mm -hmm. in it, you can drink it. Um, H2O doesn't change. What changes is you, yeah. where you are and where your perspective is. That's how you perceive this wondrous material uh, that's really part of creation. Mm -hmm. um, and and we have to constantly challenge ourselves to sort of see see it as many ways possible and the ways that it connects to all of us. Uh, right, because fundamentally, of course, we can also not live without water. So, yeah, that uh, that's the thing. I mean, that is that is exactly the thing, right? The the one thing that makes this planet, as we know, different from any other planet, is the water. That's right. And that's right. and um, yeah, we need to take care. We need to we can need take to care. care. And that's, I mean, this is what I've always always admired about your work and and um the practice that you've uh, created for yourself and for your community and the way that you extend it and extend it generously and openly and but but not you know it's not necessarily it's as as um embracing and welcoming and generous as it is it's it's not without challenge right, right? so it's right. like it's right. uh, people should not um um confuse care with something soft and mushy and not that's right um not active right? right it is um probably the biggest challenge and i think i like i like um i like service like right. i i have never thought about it but uh, i remember that you said it before um in one of our conversations but i do like right. uh, because we all we have the responsibility now Right. This right. is That's we right. are responsible for the future of, um, you know, soon to be 10 billion people. Right. right. You know, I mean, right. and to make this a place where they can live and live better lives than, than right. we're living them now and and um, live in a future that is not constantly, constantly dominated by um, by fires, by droughts, by by floods, right. by sea level rise, by acidification, earthquakes, and 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 you name it. I mean, just look at the news. 
right. and you'll have a menu of natural disasters um, on uh, on any given day, right? right. Um, we have a responsibility, and we're in the service of the future. Right, right, and it all comes from something else, right? So you you'll be happy to know sort of the Hebrew word for water is maim. Right, M A I M, but it's the same. If you take, if you just say it differently, it's miyam, which comes from ocean, because the word for ocean is yam, huh. right? So sort of that that water, life, the source, hmm. comes from the ocean. Yeah. Oh so, yes, we well, agree. There you go. Yeah. Marcus, Amazing. thank you so much. This is this is really fascinating and and really. <laughs> Uh, gives me a lot to think about, uh, and and I I applaud you and mm. and the work that you guys do around it. I right like it, it's it's uh, it's not been said enough, but I'll say it again. Right, so that sort of there, it's nothing short of life saving for mm. the planet, for individuals, for communities, for for artists, for right for scientists, right to really uh, allow everybody to have a voice. Yeah. and express themselves and be of service and do work yeah. that is useful and meaningful. Uh, yeah. Because this is not just about like, oh, it's very pretty. This is about exactly. our lives and the lives of communities around yeah. around the water. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So so everybody, that you should check out uh, uh, TBA21 and TBA Academy. Uh, and if you're in Venice, go see the exhibition. Um, Marcus, thank you again. Uh, it's thank such you. It's a great time spending time with you. <laughs> Yeah, it's such a gift. It's such a gift talking to you. And you um, yeah, thank you very much for inviting me. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Uh, right. Thank you, everybody. Thank cool. you for tuning in for Tattoos and Torah. Uh, I'm Rabbi Iggy from the Chuva Center. Uh, see you next Friday. Have a good weekend. Shabbat Shalom. Shalom.